a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> and welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. Yes. Pastor Brian It's mine. I know that for sure. It is my. If anyone out there, though, knows of another Lutheran theological game show, then please let us know. No, we'll don't let us know, because then we can't say that anymore. I know. We won't. <laughs> if there's another one, it certainly won't be anybody's favorite. <laughs> well, um, it, even if there is another one, they probably aren't playing games like Law and or Gospel or um, Which Ladder, like we are today. So That's right. What is that little liner that says, Table Talk Radio? Uh, never duplicated, never imitated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was funnier when we thought of it than it actually comes out. What are we playing again? Law and or gospel and... Which uh, ladder? Which ladder? Those are my favorite games. Really? Huh. Really. That, is, that comes to me as a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some buzzwords. I don't have my little file yet. The little uh, audio clip that we usually play. Okay. Can you imitate it? Uh, without theological buzzwords, I could never understand Johann Gerhardt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, from our listener, Eric the Truck Driver. Which That is the greatest message we've ever received on our uh, Who Wants to Date a Vicar hotline. Yeah, of the two we've ever gotten, it, that was, it was the best. It was the best and the by other, far. The other one was selling satellite dish networks, so... <laughs> My theological buzzword for you, Pastor Wolfmiller, is pantheism. Oh. And this is the uh, idea or belief that God is in everything. It's, uh, yes. I, I guess it comes from, what, a kind of a Greek, Greek mythology, or would it be, I don't know. Pan, the god of nature, or also the Spanish word for bread. <laughs> really? I don't know if there's any connection there. But, yeah, Pan. was Remember Pan? Wasn't he the little goat that uh, bounced around with a flute and a record, uh, then is the kind of uh, the Greek nature god? I think that's what I remember. And so then pantheism is that everything is God. Nature is God. The only goat I remember uh, dancing around with the flute is Thomas from the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, that he was a uh, – what was he called? I don't remember. Something to do with Pan. And then uh, and my, my theological buzzword for you is original sin, uh, this teaching that we have inherited sin from Adam and Eve, our first parents, and that it now makes us guilty. We are sinners, and the manifestation of that is the fact that we sin, but we are sinners who sin. So the way, uh, so original sin manifests itself in actual sin. But that's my buzzword, I guess it's a buzzwords, a buzz phrase. Original sin. Do I get twice as many points if I get it? Sure. Great. So, <laughs> um, also per uh, recommendation of one of our listeners on our forum, tabletalkradio.org, um, we are going to start posting our theological buzzwords on our website as, as sort of a table talk radio glossary. Nice. And so, uh, starting with uh, with these words, I'll start posting that on the website. So that's available on tabletalkradio.org. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, w- do you have any listeners you want we want to talk about here? Most of them are come through us come to us through our forum. Uh, which one did you want to talk about, Pastor? I can't, I can't remember. What, what? 
isn't very well by organized. By vow rule, we got a we got a note from withheld by request. Uh, he likes the idea that we can buy vows for uh, one of the games that we play, but I can't even remember what game that was. So that's uh, that was nice uh, comment there. Oh, I know what it was. Read the email that we got. <laughs> this is from uh, Zach Zachary in Lakewood. He says, "Dear Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, I'm a Wells member, a Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod." Um, and just wanted to say how much I appreciate your program. Confessional Lutheran radio programs are hard to come by. Most of them preach decision theology and deny the sacraments as a true means of grace. I hope that Table Talk Radio stays on the air for many years to come. Table Talk Radio. Sacramental Radio. I want to have Table Talk. Sacramental Radio. We should work on that. Thank you for the, uh, uh, for the note there. It's always fantastic to get encouraging emails like that. Yeah, it is. And if you want to send us an email, you can email us at questions at tabletalkradio.org um, or you can call our our wonderful phone line, 866-851-5523. Two. <laughs> you, you, you got one digit. Way to go. Okay. Well, I guess we should head into law and or gospel. Yes, give us the rules, Vicar Gagline. Well, this is how the game works. We are going to give each other a quote from the Bible, or we actually have some, I think, some sermon quotes today, too. Um, yeah. But, but this, is, this is how we determine whether it's law and or gospel. The law uh, is, is anything that God commands us to do or tells us to do. And the thing about that is, is it always has uh, this result of showing us our sin, and so th- when, when God tells us to do something, it doesn't ever, ever, ever show us our righteousness because we always fail to do it. Um, so does what is being said or the quote that's being read or the verse that's being spoken of, is it showing us our sin? Is it showing us what we should do uh, and thus showing us that we deserve God's wrath? Or is it gospel in that it's showing what Christ has done for us, uh, namely living a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins, taking on that wrath that we deserved upon himself uh, and then bestowing his righteous life to us. This is all gospel. So anything that deals with eternal life, forgiveness, these are all gospel things. And this is the most important distinction that we need to make, not only when we're studying the scriptures in our own private devotions, uh, when we're at Bible studies, when we're listening to sermons, whenever God's word is being opened before us, we need to be so fantastically clear on this distinction between law and gospel. And we need to be clear on it on our own life, because you know who comes to us confusing law and gospel is the devil himself. I mean, the devil is the master at confusing law and gospel. In fact... Uh, Vicar, I might say that this is one of the most important reasons why we play this game, uh, to to teach ourselves and and the three or four listeners out there uh, how to how to do this, to be trained in distinguishing between law and gospel in order to fight against the devil. And so here's an example for uh, just as we think about this and get ready to play of how the devil confuses law and gospel. Uh, the devil will come to us before. Uh, some sin, he'll come to us with a temptation, and he brings with that temptation oftentimes the gospel. He'll say, look, Jesus loves you. He died for sin, sinners. Don't worry about that particular sin. God will forgive you, no problem. In other words, he brings the gospel where the law should be. The law stands as a hedge against sin, saying, look, don't do it. God hates it. Now forget it. Even the thought of it is wicked. Repent. Uh, the devil brings the gospel instead of the law. But then, after you've fallen for some temptation and committed some particular sin, now the devil brings the uh, the law when he sh- when we need the gospel. He says, "Look, you did that, and you even did it on purpose. You did it knowing that God wasn't uh, uh, pleased with it, knowing that it would make God angry, and still, how can you even call yourself a Christian?" So the devil confuses law and gospel, uh, and we want to be able to to sort that out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I have a verse for you. Are you ready? Ready, ready. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it's verse 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. Paul knows nothing but Jesus. I think, I mean, first of all, a few comments on the verse. It's absolutely wonderful that here are these Corinthians who are... Um, given over to boasting about their spiritual abilities, boasting about uh, what they can do, uh, boasting about the gifts that the, the, the God has given in the Holy Spirit. 
uh, and all of this. And Paul comes not then against them with power or some sort of, uh, hey, look, I got more spiritual gifts than you guys or this sort of thing. He comes against them with, with God dead on the cross. He comes to them with nothing but the, the crucifixion of Jesus, nothing but the cross. And he says, look, at, guys, this is what we need most of all. If we don't have the cross, we have nothing. Uh, and so this message of the cross that, that Paul brings is, is absolute perfect gospel. Uh, it, it is the, uh, in fact, Paul will say it later on in 1 Corinthians 15, I came to you preaching that which I heard, the gospel, which is that Jesus was lived, that he died, that he rose again on the third day, that he was seen by all these guys. I mean, that's, that is the gospel. Uh, this verse can work as law, though, if uh, when you have a preacher or someone who would stand in the pulpit and speak on behalf of God and would bring every other Jesus except for the one who's crucified. Uh, in fact, we see this in a lot of pulpits today, a kind of subtle shame over the cross of Jesus. People want to emphasize his miracles or his resurrection or his second coming, and they shy away from the preaching of Jesus' suffering and death. And, and for those preachers, uh, this word comes as a word of law. But for us who rejoice in the cross, uh, it's, it's the word of, of gospel. All right, well, after one round of law and our gospel i am exhausted and need a break so let's go to a quick break and we'll continue <laughs> law and our gospel right after this break. This is Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Table Talk Radio is the best radio program ever. Okay, I said it. Now we let me go. In the early 16th century, there was a man named John Tetzel who is remembered for his selling of indulgences to fund the construction of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He said, As soon as the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Luther, of course, combated this teaching, saying that the indulgence wasn't even worth the paper it was written on. We at Table Talk Radio want to give you something of equal value. For every dollar you donate through our website, tabletalkradio.org, we will send you one Table Talk Radio point. With this certificate of pretend Table Talk Radio points, you'll be reminded that the points on Table Talk Radio are like the treasury of merits to your salvation. No help whatsoever. Get your pretend Table Talk Radio points today by clicking the Donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. I break in the rocks in the hot sun. I fought the law in the law one. I fought the law in the Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Pastor, for that wonderful explanation of uh, 1 Corinthians 2.2 and to correctly determining it to be gospel, I will award you 200 Table Talk Radio points. Yes. I am the victor so far in everyone's favorite <laughs> theological game show, Table Talk Radio. 200 <laughs> points. Now you have an option to catch up, though, with this text. The option. And it is I have such free will. This is, might be something that's law that has something to do with jury humano things below. So you might have a little free will in uh, <laughs> discerning this verse. This is Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1. Whew, what a marvelous verse. What a marvelous chapter. What a marvelous book of the Bible. Is this and marvelous? It, this. it is <laughs> marvelous. <laughs> in, <laughs> in that day, uh, you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Aha. Okay, now I think we need to be careful here because um, we always – one of the little things that we always say about law and gospel is like uh, the law is what you do and the gospel is what what God does. And I think we have to see what the emphasis is uh, in, in this verse. Because it does say, and then you will say on that day. So, I mean, obviously the, the person is doing the speaking. 
But that's not what the verse is, is emphasizing here. It, it's what, what will he say? I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Why? For although you are angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. And so the comfort we find is in that gospel, that uh, God could have been angry with us for our sin, for our, uh, even our original sin, for being uh, sinners, uh, enemies of God. Uh, he has wrath for us. But in this verse, it shows us that his wrath is turned away, and he shows us comfort. This is gospel. Yes, it sure is. Did you say the word original sin, by the way? <laughs> I did. Ah. I thought you missed it. I didn't it. hear it, but I just figured you would have. <laughs> Do I get the so, full 500 then? or? Uh, no, no, I caught you. See, so you you can have, no, you get though it was a thousand points on the line for your theological buzzword. Remember? Yeah, that's right. Because it was two original sins. So I'm going to give you for using original sin there. Did you use it properly, correctly? Uh, were, you, were you writing your emails now? Is, that, is this your time to, to? Yeah, that's right. Checking my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> You're so I'm give you 900 points. It. 900, 900 okay. points for that and 200 points for giving the correct answer of gospel for this text, bringing you to a total of 1,100 points. And even more importantly, uh, that is a marvelous explanation of the text. It is it is just fantastic gospel. I've been using this text for the last two weeks since we studied it in Bible class over and over because it says so simply this truth that God should be mad because of our sin, but he's not. And can you, I mean, just for a simple summary of the gospel, to to just know that God, who should be mad, isn't. He's not mad at us because of the death of Jesus on the cross. I mean, to, so, so say that to your children, dear listener, or you children listeners, say it to your parents. God isn't mad at you. He's not because of the death of Jesus. Ugh, I don't know anything more uh, comforting and wonderful than that. Yeah, that's true. Um, Pastor, God isn't mad with us in our radio program. <laughs> that is good news. That is. <laughs> okay, are you ready for your Only next one? Only because of the death of Jesus. I'm, I'm ready. Let's, let's have it. Okay, this is a, a longer text, but uh, we have to take it as a whole. And it is Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the, devil, in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you have, uh, with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming missiles of the devil uh, of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, is this law or gospel? What a marvelous text. This is the text which we often is subtitled The Armor of God. Uh, and the thing to notice, first of all, um, in the text is the repetition of this word stand. So Paul, he's talking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about fighting off the demons. He's talking about how Christians live their lives every day under the attack of the devil and that that will not cease until uh, we, uh, we make it to heaven. We will every day stand against the forces of darkness and fight. But it doesn't say fight or advance or uh, take territory or uh, anything like this. It says simply stand. Look at uh, this is in verse 14. Stand, therefore, girded your waist with truth. Uh, and then down here a little bit. Um, uh, oh, wait, I missed it. Uh, yeah, it's verse 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Uh, so that so that the, the point of our Christian uh, spiritual warfare is that we're on sentry duty. I was this last week with uh, Dr. Kleinig, the professor uh, of the scriptures and uh, from Australia, from the Lutheran Seminary in Australia. And he actually spoke quite a bit about sentry duty uh, in the 
um, in, in the Roman army. The, these guys were to stand there for three hours watching, making sure that no one would advance uh, on the armies or on the land that they had taken, and they were to stand. And, and that there was two ways that you could be punished or put to death for faithlessness as a century. And one was to fall asleep. If you fell asleep on duty, then you could be killed because not only did you put yourself in danger, but you put the whole country in danger. But the second reason why you could be punished and put to death was that if the, ar- if you, if the army came to attack and you advanced against them by yourself, you ran out to fight them. You're not allowed to, you're not permitted to do that. You simply have the duty to stand there and to be ready. Uh, and this is the picture that Paul puts before us in our, in our Christian life. We haven't, though, gotten to the, uh, to the point of law gospel. Uh, do we have time for that? Are we yeah, we have a few m- minutes, yeah. Uh, I think for the, the, this is a, uh, we, we have a tendency to read this text as law, uh, and it is in, a, in the sense that it's telling us this is how, as Christians, we fight the devil. But when we start to look close, more closely at uh, what Paul is actually saying, we begin to see an unfolding of the marvelous gospel. For example, it doesn't say, take up the shield of good works. It says, take up the shield of faith. In other words, we're protected by the darts of the devil, not by things that we do, but by believing in the promise of God and by having a cleansed conscience through his blood. It doesn't say, take up the shoes of obedience, but rather take up the shoes of a readiness to spread the gospel of peace. It doesn't tell us um, to take on the belt of fasting, but rather to gird around our waist the belt of truth. In other words, the truth of the death and resurrection and forgiveness of Jesus. In other words, what the command is commanding us to do is to abide and remain always in the marvelous gifts of the gospel. And so I think in that way, what we, when we see the text, what we understand it to be gospel in that it's the Lord's promise that when we have his gifts and his love and his forgiveness, then we are safe from all the attacks of the devil. Very good. Um, now, because we, we had talked sort of about this before about, <clears throat> uh, I think the way the way you brought it up before is the, the two hymns that, that deal with the, the spiritual affliction, I guess you could say. Um, the Mighty Fortress is Our God, and the other one is Onward Christian Soldiers. Yes. And what was the difference between those two? Well, when I, I asked the question to Bible class one time. When you think of the, the Christian the, the Christian as a soldier, what, are the, what hymn do you think of? And the hymn that people think of is Onward Christian Soldier, which talks about us marching out to war uh, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Now, the Bible does use the language of the cross as a banner, things like this. Especially in Isaiah, we see that kind of th- stuff. Uh, but there's a difference between marching out to overtake the kingdoms of the devil versus a hymn like a mighty fortress, which talks about how Jesus is the one who marches out. He's the one who takes the field and who holds the field, and we now are safe in him. So the one who fights and destroys the devil is Jesus. And then he, he brings us into his army to do, like what Paul said in the end of Romans, to crush the Satan under our feet. But that's only by the blood of Jesus, the word of his testimony. This is Revelation 12 stuff there. <clears throat> so that Jesus is the fighter, uh, and we rejoice in his victory over sin and death and the devil. Very good. Why don't you um, – oh, I need to award you points, I guess, huh? Yeah. For that, that, that was a, a wonderful explanation. So I will give you the full 200 possible for that one. <laughs> 200. Gospel. There it is. Why don't you read me your next one, and we'll we'll get to it on the other side of this break. I'm gonna I'm gonna diverge from our plan, and I'm going now. I'm gonna read a quote from a book. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is not scripture. This is from the book Grace Upon Grace by John Kleinig, and here it is. Um, our whole life as the children of God is a life of reception. We have been justified by the grace of by the grace of God the Father, so we now live by faith in His grace. Because we believe in Him, we now receive every spiritual gift from Him. We receive grace upon grace from the fullness of the incarnate Christ. That is the quote we will uh, analyze for law and gospel in this game. We'll be right back to do that. Don't go away. 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. And now it's time for Table Talk Extras with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. When we read through the creeds of the church, we see that it confesses who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one of the very important words that we uh, confess about God is that God is one. This comes from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we have the unity of God three times, especially in the Nicene Creed. But listen, there's a surprise when we come to the end. First we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Then the second article, and in one Lord Jesus Christ. Also very clear. One God, the Father, one Son, So when we get to the third article, the last part of the creed, we might expect it to say something like this, and in one Holy Spirit, but it doesn't. Listen to where the oneness is in the third article. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. There's the unity of the third article. That God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who exist eternally as one, give their unity to us, the church, so that we are one church, one body, one people, with one God, and one faith, and one baptism. We have the unity of the Holy Trinity itself, as Jesus prays, that we might be one as they are one. And how does this happen? When the Lord makes us holy in His Word. When Jesus prayed that we would be one as Him and the Father are one, He also prayed to the Father this, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. Praise God for having us as one church. Amen. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite theological game show, where Vicar Gagline is trying to determine if the following passage is law and or gospel. This, our whole life as the children of God is a life of reception. We have been justified by the grace of God the Father, so we now live by faith in his grace. Because we believe in him, we now receive every spiritual gift from him. We receive grace upon grace from the fullness of the incarnate Christ. Okay, this this is great. Read just the first line one more time, just the very first part. Okay, our whole life as the children of God is a life of reception. Yeah, very good. Um, I hear people ask this question sometimes, and the question is, um, it goes like this: Why did God create the world, or why did God create us, and something like that? And the typical answer I almost always hear is, uh, so that we would worship Him. And and maybe you need to kind of explore that question or that response a little bit more. Well, what do you mean by worship? But typically what they mean is, is kind of the, this praise and adoration type of uh, a worship um, apart from the giving of gifts. And uh, I, I think that's a far cry from what we see in the Holy Scriptures, that the the entire interaction of God with humanity is always uh, gifts given from God to man. And so if, if this is the entire interaction uh, between God and man is, is gifts given, um, then then I can only say that the, that the creation was for for God, for, for us to be the object of God's love, uh, that, that God had so much love that he wanted to create someone for that love, and, and, we, and we received those gifts. So uh, what are these gifts, namely after original sin? Uh, these great gifts um, are, are the, the, the justification that, that Christ won for us, and and this is the grace that we receive. Um, that is a marvelous quotation of pure gospel. Yes, in this whole book, uh, Doctor Kleinig is putting this forth. This what he calls receptive spirituality, and it and it's a it's saying that look, our life with God, our life in Christ, is not about what we do or what we give, but what we receive. 
because God is the source of all things, and he desires to give us all things for our benefit. It is simply wonderful. So, uh, And you're right, it's a gospel. Uh, gospel, gospel, gospel. So uh, if anyone wants to pick up this book, by the way, Grace Upon Grace, Spirituality for Today by John Kleinig, uh, it's available through CPH, Concordia Publishing House, and I highly recommend it. Okay, well, that's two rounds of Law Gospel. We're in the segment three, yet to do uh, which ladder. Um, the next quote I have is about two minutes long. Do you want to forego it, or do you want to hit this uh, this quote? Well, what do you think? It depends on how good your stuff is for <laughs> law and or gospel. <laughs> um, let's, do, let's do this. Why not? All right. This is a sermon preached by uh, Charles Stanley, and uh, this is a, a sermon entitled Our Eternal Rewards. And this is uh, about a two-minute clip. But this is what Dr. Charles Stanley says about eternal rewards. And that is that one of these days, you and I will stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. All of us who believe us will stand in the presence of Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. At that judgment, there will only be believers there. Not only that, it will be a judgment of rewards. Not a judgment to find out whether we are saved or lost, but a judgment because we are saved. And because God does love us, and because he has said that he would choose to reward us. Now, the Bible says he'll reward each one of us according to our deeds. Not only that, he says very clearly in the scripture that we're going to be rewarded on the basis of three things. How much light of truth have we known? And then what kind of opportunities did he give us? And then what was our response to these opportunities? And so... When God judges us, he's not going to judge us against other people and what they accomplished or what they failed to accomplish. He knows us perfectly. He knows our motives. He knows every single thing we've done. Those things that we've done before we trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior are wiped out forever. And so somebody says, well, at that judgment, will any of that be uh, an issue? Well, let me say two things. He's going to reward us for our good deeds. And those things that prove to be worthless, we are not going to have a reward at all. And so all the things that you and I did before we were saved, he's forgiven us for it. But all of those years that we spent doing things that we had no business doing and ignoring God are lost years and therefore lost reward. But the moment you and I trusted him as our Savior, he came into our life to live within us, to enable us, to gift us and to help us to have the skills that we need to accomplish the things that he wants us to accomplish. He has a will for every single one of us. No such thing as a person that God has no will for their life. All right. What do you think, law or gospel? That is a, there is a mouthful there. I was waiting for a scripture text um, <laughs> to try, see what he's building this on, and I'm sure he has some text that he's preaching around. Uh, oh, yeah. Preaching with or something. Uh uh, just we just didn't get it, uh, but there's a lot there. Um, there's when when Christians come, he has this sense that all the sins that we've committed have been taken away, but then all the good works we do kind of stand in a heap to be rewarded based on how much truth did we have and what opportunities did he give us and what were our response to those opportunities, um, and then but and then he kind of moves into what would sound a little bit like gospel with something like this. Jesus comes, to, as soon as you commit your life to Christ, he comes to live with you in order to enable you uh, to follow his word, to give us the skills to accomplish his will for our life, and this sort of thing. And so what it seems like, what he's done there, is he's put the the gospel-ish, something gospel-y, um, in service to the heavenly rewards that the Lord wants to give us in the at the at the judgment. In other words, what he said is, Jesus comes to live in us, to empower us, to do good works, so that on the last day he can reward us. Um, and this, I think, is a great confusion of law and gospel. H- how we have it in the scriptures uh, is well is first of all that Jesus and his righteousness is our great reward. I mean, remember how God speaks to Abraham? I am your 
uh, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Or Paul in Second Corinthians, he became poor that in him you might become rich. And then he he talks about those riches in the that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that Christ and his righteousness, this is our eternal great heavenly treasure. Now, will there be different levels of reward in heaven? Well, I guess so. But who's being rewarded there really is Jesus and and the great and marvelous victories that he's won, uh, not us. And to bring in the heavenly rewards as a motivation for Christians to do good works uh, really, in the end, undoes all the goodness of those works. Because a good work, remember, is a work done in, in faith in God's promise out of love for the neighbor, not love for the self. Uh, and if you're doing it to get a reward, then it ceases to be a good work. So I think this is a confusion of law and gospel. So what you're saying is um, that when we get to heaven, we're not we're not rewarded on the basis of our good works. Even our good works in the new man, you know, after receiving faith, even those good works aren't, aren't our reward, but what is re- our reward is the works of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And if he does accomplish something good through us in this earthly life, uh, I suspect that we'll be able to rejoice in that accomplishment also in the life to come. But it's certainly not a motivation. We, we You, you see the difference? Um is if someone comes along and says, look, there's going to be a judgment at which God is going to hand out a bunch of rewards, so get busy doing good works so that you'll you know, get the sweet gig up in heaven, uh, then you've, you've undone any sort of goodness to that work because you've motivated it now, not by faith and love for God and the neighbor, but rather in kind of a selfish, self-serving sort of manner. So. Well, for that explanation, I will give you 190 points. Oh, all right. A ten-point deduction for using the word gospelly. <laughs> I've been deducted for that before. Well, actually, I, you, you deducted one of our guests for doing that before, so I, I fear it's only fair to have the same standard on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> oh, it was me. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. I see the I see the usefulness of the word though, when it's something's not quite gospel, but it has a gospel sound to it. <laughs> You're so quick. I think it was Pastor Stigmar. You're so quick. I to did. Judge. I I remember. I hammered him for that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's play a little witch ladder. All right. Uh, what do you have? The way this game works. Oh, yeah. By the way, explain it. Then we'll go to a break. <laughs> Here's some rules. Uh, the Adolf Kaberly, this old Lutheran in Germany, wrote this book that uh, is difficult to read, but has this marvelous thing in there where he says that every religion invented by man erects three different types of ladders to clamor into heaven. The ladder of the uh, of the will, the ladder of the mind, and the ladder of the emotions. Moralism, matter of the, uh, doing right. Mysticism, having some sort of experience. Or uh, rationalism, understanding truth and having fellowship with God that way. So the way which ladder works is we listen to some sort of quote or statement or something like this, and we say, which ladder is this false religion telling us we ought to clamor up to heaven with? Uh, of course, all the ladders that man uh, that man puts up there are false, uh, because the only ladder that accomplishes salvation is the cross in which Jesus climbs down into our sin and death to save us. So that's the game that you can look forward to on the other side of the break. Which ladder? Which ladder? All right. And this, by the way, is something that uh, another one of these games that people can need, need to kind of play along with in, in their home edition. Uh, so when they come across uh, whatever on the TV or radio, they can say, wait a minute, this is some, some ladder climbing going on here. Yeah, this guy wants me to be a moralist or a mystic <laughs> or a rationalist, but I'm not buying it because I'm a Christian. And That's I, exactly the purpose of it. <laughs> I'm not buying it because I'm a table talk radio listener. Yes. Oh, okay, we'll be right back. Play <laughs> Which Ladder after this. Will you do the 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Which ladder is the game? And uh, Pastor already explained how this how this works. So I'm going to play the first quote, and this first one is from an atheist comedian. At least that's what the YouTube video says. His name is Keith Lowell Jensen, and he's talking about uh, whether we should teach creation in schools. They, uh, they worry about our science in their school. They want their religion taught in the schools. And this is where I lose the atheists. Um, personally, I'm okay with teaching both theories. Let them into the schools, and, and they can teach Adam and Eve and the garden and the apple, the talking snake. As long as they also teach that it's a big, complex universe that sits on the back of a giant turtle who's walking through space. Come on, the Hindus got a right to their theory too, huh? Be fair. Christians, I gotta warn you. Two naked people, piece of fruit, garden, giant freaking space turtle. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he's a you know, stand-up comedian. He has to come up with an act. But okay, let's see what he's talking about. Uh, if we teach creation in schools, then we're also going to have to teach everything else. What do you think, Pastor? Yeah. So so he brings up he brings up the uh, uh, the Hindu idea of that we're <laughs> that the universe is on the back of this big huge turtle. That uh, don't they go further though? Doesn't the turtle stand on something else and something else and oh, I don't there's know. this big there's this big pile of things that the turtle stands on. Yeah, I mean, I wish you could put in the uh, put in the atheist view of things. Is that all of a sudden there's this big pile of smelly goop and lightning struck it and a lizard walks out or whatever, you know? Or <laughs> one 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 day there's a monkey and uh, or, or, or you know a lizard and he and he he gives birth to this little lizard that has wings and he flies out and this sort of thing. I mean, of course, if you want to oversimplify things, you can you can make fun of just about anything. Although uh, there is some usefulness in humor. Um, I'm I'm not against it, uh, although you might not know that from our little show here. Uh, <laughs> to use oh. humor in teaching, <laughs> to use humor in teaching is is useful. But uh, really, when when you begin to think about it, it, evolution is just a really kind of kooky goofball idea. I mean, so goofy that did you saw this clip on this movie Expelled, where uh, what's his name, the big Richard, Richard Dawkins, Dawkins yeah. comes and says that he thinks that maybe. Uh, uh, some uh, some space aliens uh, de- deposited DNA on the Earth as a like a big petri dish, and this is now this is acceptable science, you know. And, but of course, those aliens we know weren't created by a god; uh, they had to evolve uh, through um, natural selection, Darwinian style. What in the world? How do you know? It's like magical knowledge from out of nowhere. It's the goofiest thing. But that's that is, by the way, the ladder of rationalism atheists commend themselves because they've they have quote climbed the ladder of the mind to uh, overcome all of these superstitions inherited from our from our ape-like ancestors this is their idea and so always atheism when you when you come across an atheist you are you have come across a person who is trying to climb the ladder of rationalism very good ding 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 by the way hindus are pantheists <laughs> that was so naturally put too. I'm going to give you a full hundred points for that. Oh come on! All right, how many do I get for the uh, which ladder? Um, I'll give you two fifty for that. Two fifty, so sweet. I can't wait to hear at the end what these points are worth. One hundred? Did you give me one hundred and two fifty? I'm totaling the points here. Fourteen. But carry the one. Five, six, seven. Nine hundred and forty to your one thousand one hundred. What yeah. a high-scoring game today on everyone's favorite. Wait, didn't I get another two hundred after that or not? Cause... No, no, of course not. I'm limiting your options to score more. Let's see. I answered. Well, I answered your law. I answered two of your law gospels. Answer Kleinick oh, yeah, and yeah. then okay, also. Okay, okay, okay. Fine, fine. So you got thirteen hundred. Okay, should we should we keep, should we keep doing a radio show? You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good <laughs> idea. Okay, well, I have another clip for you, and this I'm one ready. is uh, well, I'll just play it.
Okay, how's that? What is that? <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, is that a is that a praise song? It, uh, yeah. What? <laughs> Draw you me gotta close be to you. Me. you. What do you want to switch to the praise song cruncher with this sucker? <laughs> we'll put it on the list. <laughs> you are my desire. No one else. What? what? What were the words there? Uh, let me get them. Hold on. Sorry. I thought I was listening to some sort of really bad country song, and then I thought all of a sudden, <laughs> this can't be, this can't be a church song, can it? <laughs> okay, draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do, because no one else can take the place to fill the warmth of your embrace. <laughs> help me find a way to bring me back to you then the chorus is this you're all i want you're all i've ever needed you're all i want help me uh help me know you are near is there any mention of that this is a, a sinner singing to god in this whole song this by the way just to get the latter business out of the way this is mysticism i mean mysticism where you want to have this kind of close intimate emotional experience with the divine pure mysticism uh, and we see it oftentimes in in praise music, but this one is really wow. What I don't I don't know quite what, what to do with this. What's thing. the mysticism meter at on this song? <laughs> well, yeah, it's off the charts. This is off the charts mysticism. I mean, draw me so that I can feel your warmth. What? How? Tell. Explain to me, Vicar Gagline. Maybe you know better than I do. <laughs> Being more emotionally in tuned. Clearly. Uh, well, maybe, that's, maybe that's not the case. Uh, how you feel the warmth of God. What does that even mean? Um, and why would you write that in a song and then sing it? <laughs> Do you know? Well, okay. Well, the, the honest answer is, I mean, th- this is a, another example of, of rom- romanticism being placed into Christianity. And so... Um, everyone knows the the emotions they feel when they um, are romantic with with their wife or husband or whatever, um, and so then they apply that same feeling to God that this this must be the intimacy we have with God. Yeah, what a mess. I, there's who someone used to talk about the God girlfriend songs. You know who that was? God girl. So if you can take a song and you can sing it to God or you can sing it to your girlfriend, um, and so you just take out the. Uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Okay. The, if if you can take Jesus' name out and replace it with your girlfriend's song, and the pl- the song still makes sense, then the song is heresy. Except for, yeah, that's bad. But ex- this one, you don't even. There's not even any Jesus to take out. Right. You don't even have to do it. <laughs> I mean. Well, I mean this. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm not a a fan of South Park, but I've heard numerous people tell me the South Park episode where, where they try to make write Christian music, and so they just take all of the secular music and then replace. The words with like Jesus, and so they're, then they're writing Christian music, which is probably end up better than this song. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is a so, so, now this is it's interesting though that we had back to back the atheists and then the uh, and then this praise song business because this is so here's the kind of the two um, pendulum swing ends. Uh, you have mysticism on the one side and rationalism on the other, and rationalism is always fighting against this mysticism. Uh, this emotionalism, this kind of we're completely ungrounded and we're kind of floating in this fuzzy cloud of some sort of divine experience and and we're feeling the warmth of God or uh, or we're he, he's is our, our one desire that we draw close to him and all of this sort of thing. And 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 that happens by our feelings. This is this is what the atheists are reacting against. But it's not Christianity. This kind of mystical tripe is not Christianity. Uh, it's it's just um it's just romanticism pure romanticism pure Im- mysticism dressed up in some sort of christian garb okay pastor but the, but in, in 30 seconds and tell us what the what christianity really is 
the true Christianity is not taking some sort of emotional religion and putting a cross around its neck. Christianity is about Jesus clothing himself in our humanity and coming down so that his feet touch our earth, his lungs breathe our breath, and on him God heaps all of our sin, and, and he dies for it. The anger that God has at you and at me uh, because of our wretched, horrendous sinfulness is heaped onto Jesus, and then he then is executed by God's wrath on the cross 2,000 years ago. And because of that now, he can promise us forgiveness and life eternal and the resurrection of the flesh uh, and, and heaven forever with him. But apart from that death of Jesus on the cross, like Paul said, I preach Christ crucified, apart from that, there is no Christianity. It's not about us climbing these ladders of our emotions or whatever. It's about Jesus coming down to us in the cross. And because he's done that, we can know that we will be with him forever, that God smiles at us and that he loves us and that we will not suffer but rejoice in his presence. Okay, very good. Another 200 points. And uh, that's going to take us to the end of Table Talk Radio. So thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the subscription to Wine Spectator that you brought bought for your Southern Baptist relatives for Christmas. Really kind of useless. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message 866-851-5523 Be sure to check out our website tabletalkradio.org Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. <laughs>